Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of 2024 here on the Yours Truly podcast. That happens to be number 185, I believe, if I have counted correctly. But I'm Claire. I am your host. I am a non-diet registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor as of March of last year, I am also the RD advisor at Health Aid Kombucha, so that has been a fun new addition to the business last year and going into this year as well, and I'm really glad that you're here. Thanks for kicking your year off with me. I know this episode is technically coming out in one of the last weeks of January, so I don't know if we still consider that kicking off the year, but it's the first month of 12. We're we're still at the beginning portion. But I have a little catchphrase, I guess we can call it that, for 2024, because if you've been here for a while, anytime at all really, you know I love wordplay, I love puns, I love rhymes, I love anything that is probably a little bit cringy. So my catchphrase for the year is nourish more in 2024. It rolls off the tongue. That was the theme of the workbook that I released at the top of this year, which by the way, if you want to get your hands on that downloadable workbook, you can still get it. It's linked in my Instagram bio and my TikTok bio as well. But I just think that is a really wholesome, nice feeling tagline for this year. If you are spending any time at all on social media leading up to the new year, one of the trends was the ins and outs posts, like my ins and outs for 2024. And I really do think that restricting unnecessarily or placing certain foods on a pedestal while demonizing others, like those are out for 2024. In my opinion, they have been out for quite some time, but I'm hoping that more of us are coming around to this idea that good nutrition is all about adding in, not cutting out, and the more that we can enjoy our food and find ways to fuel our bodies and feel satisfied, right, in ways that are fun and enjoyable, the more sustainable that relationship with nutrition will be. So if you are on board with Nourishing More in 2024, then you have come to the right place. And I'm hopeful that in all of the episodes that I share this year, they will fall along that theme and encourage you to fuel your body in ways that feel good and are fun because that's what we love. But now that that opening monologue is done and over with, how was your year so far? I don't know, January always seems to be a reflective time of year when you're thinking about what you did last year and what you'd like to set your sights on for this year and personally for me. 2024 is my wedding year, which is a thing that we're doing. I'm very excited about the actual marriage part and like being married, the planning to get there. We're we're making our way. We're taking it one step at a time. I have until September, so I'm trying to just take things one step, one plan, one vendor, as they say, at a time. And we're not too overwhelmed yet, but I'll maybe update you later in the summer as to how that is going. But maybe if I'm feeling inclined to share more content related to weddings and fueling and not falling into that, you know, restrictive getting ready for the wedding mentality, you might hear more about that, but... We'll see if that's a topic I feel inclined to speak on when the time comes. I also have become quite the reader in years past. Like I used to be someone who never really took an interest in reading fiction. My life was all nonfiction, nutrition books, books about business. And while all of that is well and good, I have to say 
that my life and my enjoyment with reading has improved significantly since I have stopped reading self-help and I've started reading just fun fiction novels, whether it's a lighthearted rom-com or a fantasy novel. I just enjoy them so much and I've really enjoyed reading. Last year was my best reading year yet. I read 38 books. I'm a Kindle girly now heading into 2024, so I don't have an exact goal number in mind for reading because I'm really trying to let this be an enjoyable hobby, not one that I have to quantify, but I am thinking that with my Kindle, I will read faster because so far, a couple weeks into the year, that has been the case. A quick side note, I know this is not a podcast about books, but I have to say whenever I post my fiction reads to my Instagram story, that is probably the most messages I ever receive. So I know a lot of y'all are readers too. My first book of this year was Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. It was my book club's book for the month and I loved it. It's so funny, my consumption of dragon-related content has significantly increased in the past six months. I'm watching Game of Thrones. I never watched that years ago when it came out. My fiance is a big fan, so I said, sure, we can watch it. We're currently in season four, I believe, but Dragon's there. I read the first book of A Court of Thorns and Roses. I'm going to read the rest of that series this year. And now with Fourth Wing, another book about dragons. I didn't have this on my 2023 to 2024 bingo card, all this dragon content, but I am having fun with it. And now I'm currently reading the Beartown series by Frederick Backman, I believe is his last name, which I had no idea the series was going to be about hockey. I saw it on Book Talk. I was like, sure. And now I happen to be learning a lot about youth hockey leagues. So we'll see how the rest of that goes. But whatever your goals or intentions are for 2024, whatever you want to spend your time doing, I hope that you will find it nourishing because that's our word for the year. But back to our nutrition and eating related content, I do have one exciting announcement that I will share before I introduce today's guest and the topic that we're going to be covering in this episode. So the Yours Julie Collective has been around for an entire year now, a little bit over a year. And if you don't know what this is, this is my monthly membership group. And currently, if you are listening to this episode when it comes out or up until February 1st, really, my membership group is open for enrollment for our February through April session. Now, I know a lot of nutrition content on the internet can be confusing and a little overwhelming, particularly this time of year. So I host this group for anyone who's craving ongoing support from a professional so that they can make sustainable and nourishing changes in their health and relationship with food. The investment for the collective is less than $50 a month, so it's either $47 monthly or $111 for three months in full, because I really wanted to make this the most cost-effective and value-packed way to work with me long-term. So you might be like, well, what do I get access to as a member? What does that $47 a month entail? And I'll tell you, the collective is gonna give you access to monthly live group calls that are led by me, quarterly live masterclasses, also led by me on non-diet nutrition topics and quarterly live cooking skills workshops. Our quarterly live class for this next upcoming membership group is about gut health. I am super excited about this one. I have titled it Go With Your Gut, Separating Facts from Fiction in the World of Gut Health. In this 75-minute live class, you can expect to debunk some of the most common gut health myths and discover simple non-diet habits to support your digestive system. 
Our cooking skills workshop for the next upcoming three months is called Plant-Powered Protein, tips and techniques for adding and enjoying more plant-based proteins in your meals and snacks. As I mentioned a second ago, we also have monthly community connection calls inside the membership. So these are hour-long calls that I lead every single month on Zoom, and they're really just a casual time for members to come in, ask all of their nutrition, health, body image-related questions, and get support from me and other community members. Enrollment for this session, our February through April session, is open now until February 1st, and after February 1st, the doors to the membership will be closing again until late April. So if you would like to join us in the group for the next three months, you can head to the link in the description of this episode, or you can find it via the link in my Instagram or TikTok bio as well. If you happen to be listening to this episode after February 1st and you're like, darn, I missed it, just keep an eye on my content because in late April, we will be opening the group back up again for the next three months after that. And now that we have those fun announcements, both nutrition and dragon related out of the way, I am so excited to share that today on the podcast, we have a very special guest to talk about intuitive eating and ADHD. This is actually a topic that I get a lot of questions about, and I've worked with many clients over the years who have ADHD. So I'm really grateful to have Ali Chelst here on the podcast to teach us more about this subject. A little bit about Allie. This is Allie with a Y, by the way, that will come in handy if you're trying to search her on Instagram or her website later on. But Allie with a Y is an ADHD management slash executive functioning coach who specializes in supporting students and adults who are struggling with ADHD. Throughout her career, Allie has worked with more than 50 students and adults of all ages and abilities. Her coaching approach focuses on three main components task management, organizational preparedness, and improved self-confidence. Her empathetic and collaborative nature creates a comfortable yet enriching environment for students and clients to succeed in accomplishing their goals. When Allie is not coaching or creating content on social media, she likes to travel, read books, and take advantage of the amazing food scene in Washington, D.C. If you would like to learn more about Allie and inquire about her services, you can find her on Instagram at ADHD with Allie, A-L-L-Y, or you can check out her website, ADHDwithAllie.com. Were we just talking about alliterations and how much I love them or rhymes earlier in the episode? And Allie, I have to say, your business name and your branding and your social media handle brings me so much joy because of all of the A's. ADHD with Allie just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> So in this conversation, Allie talks more about ADHD and the specific challenges that it can bring to daily life, particularly when it comes to eating. She also shares some of her favorite practical tips for eating with ADHD. All of these tips I do co-sign and you'll hear we kind of collaborate on some of them, which was really cool as we were recording. And we discuss how intuitive eating does not have to mean abandoning all sense of structure and planning with food. I hope that you will enjoy listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. So without further ado, let's go chat with Allie. Hi, Allie. Welcome to the Yours Julie podcast. Hey, Claire. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Of course. I know um, you have shared with me that you've been a listener of the podcast and you, you've been around for, for several years now. So it's really a cool for, full circle moment to 
to have you here and to talk about all things ADHD. I am so excited. Thank you so much. Yes, I've been a fan of the podcast for like four years so or so. So it's just amazing to actually get to be on the other side of it for once. So thank you so much for inviting me. Of course. And as we were talking about pre-recording, there's a lot of overlap in what we do with like ADHD and how that impacts our eating or our relationship with food. So a little bit of a sneak peek for our listeners. That is what today's episode is going to be about. But before we get there, I have five this or that questions, fun, lighthearted to get us started. Are you ready? Oh, I'm so ready. Okay. My first question, podcasts or audiobooks? Oh, podcasts all the way. I like an audiobook when it's a celebrity memoir read by the celebrity themselves, but I love podcasts. Uh, I'm obsessed. I love podcasts. I thought that might be your answer since you're like, I listen to podcasts. And I listen <laughs> on a podcast. And like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I figured. Um, okay. Second one, early mornings or late evenings? Oh, late nights. 1000%. I am not a morning like an early bird by any means so I love I love a late night even just like hanging out at home watching tv but yeah it's like whenever your brain works best whenever you can stay awake I I struggle with evenings because my my whole entire body shuts down I if I lay horizontal on a sofa I'm done for there is no staying (laughs) Uh, okay third one coffee or tea Ooh, coffee, 100%. I love coffee. I like tea occasionally, like an iced tea. And one time I went to like a holiday tea, that had a, like a fancy, you know, holiday tea that had a good one. But no, I definitely would say, yeah, I'm a coffee girl. And I'm iced coffee all year round. I don't know. What about you? We have things in common. Yep. <laughs> we have things in common. I would give the exact same answer. No notes. <laughs> uh, okay, two more. Regular fries or sweet potato fries? Ooh, that's a really tough one. So I'm going to say regular fries, but sweet potato fries are really good. The only thing is that like, there's a time and place I feel like for each of them, like they kind of feel like apples and oranges to me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like they don't feel like the same thing. So sometimes I'm in the mood for a sweet potato fry, but I would say like eight times out of 10, I gravitate towards a regular fry. What about you? I agree, especially on the timing. Like if I'm just going to order a fry appetizer alone, maybe with like an aioli or a fun dip sweet potato fry. However, if it's coming with a sandwich or with a meal, regular fries, like all the time. I love a white potato. No hate, no shade to sweet potatoes, but I prefer white potatoes much more. Me too. And I love all the like different variations that you can make. I feel like with white potatoes more so than, than sweet potatoes. For sure. Okay. Final one. I am veering a little bit off of our this or that structure for this, but in the spirit of Spotify rap season, we are recording this the day after Spotify released all of the wrapped information. And you and I were going back and forth a little bit over DM because I posted my top songs and you were like, oh my gosh, we will be talking about this. Um, so I have a feeling that we might have some similarities and that we are both big Taylor Swift fans. I know our audience cannot see as we are recording this right now, but I have like a Taylor's version bag in the background. I have my friendship bracelets from the Eras tour behind me. So I have to know from you, if you had to rank your top three Taylor albums in no specific order. So we don't need to do a hierarchical ranking here. I just need your favorite top three. If you could only have these to listen to, what would they be? Oh, you asked me the most, the most difficult question I've ever been asked. Um, 
Oh, it's oh, um okay. So I think I'm gonna have to choose in no particular order. No particular order. Yep. I think we're gonna go with. Oh, I think I'm gonna do Fearless, mm-hmm. Speak Now, and Taylor Swift's like the debut album. Okay. Oh, that threw me for a curveball. I no was one not- says that. I think it's the most <laughs> underrated album because I have so many memories as a kid, like oh, at yeah. boy camp listening to like those songs and I miss them. So that's mine. I know that's like a very unpopular take, but I think those are mine. What about yours? Well, I have a follow-up question first. We're not going to yes. walk down Clownelia Street. Like we're not going to go clowning and do all of our predictions. I know we have been given zero indication as far as Taylor's version of her debut album but when the time does come are you very excited for that extremely like no words just like yes because <laughs> like, fearless and speak now have had their time to shine being really, oh yeah they sound great um but wow out of all the people who I've ever asked that question to I have never gotten that grouping so you will always remain in my mind it's like Thank you grouping you. in that way I um, appreciate that what's yours If I had to give my top three in no particular order, it would be Reputation, Evermore, and Midnight's. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So I I have been a Taylor Swift fan from the beginning. You know, the albums that you mentioned, I do enjoy and appreciate, but I feel like I resonate much more, not only lyrically, but sonically as well with like the, the pop style albums like I love a pop anthem I love something upbeat and then with the evermore the lyrics the deep cuts I'm I'm here for it that's what I love yeah Yeah. I've been obsessed with I think this is on folklore I can't remember but I just found I discovered the other day at my favorite bagel shop the song the lakes like the extended oh yep I think is that is that from folklore that's um that's folklore okay never mind but it was it's amazing. I love all, like, I really do like her work. I've become more of a fan recently. I wasn't really growing up like a huge Swifty, but now I'm getting more and more into it. I think she's just so talented and I just wish her the best in everything. She's amazing. You know, it's a great year. It's a great year to be yeah. a Taylor Swift fan in the year of Taylor Swift and Barbie and Beyonce's on tour. <laughs> just a, a, a fun year. Being a woman, it just is a, this is the year of womanhood, I feel like. And it's just so fun to see women get to be able to just like ex- enjoy like feminine joy and things that they love and I'm so happy that I get to like be around for all these women just thriving and succeeding. Yeah, to celebrate these fun things. So you actually set me up with a really perfect transition. Speaking of women thriving and doing things, you you are here and you own a business and you have a whole background. And you know, we're here mostly today to talk about the overlap between intuitive eating and ADHD. But before we get there, I would love to just learn a little bit about you and how you got to do what you're doing today, like what brought you here in whatever level of depth you would like to offer. Give us a little bit of backstory. Of course. Yeah. So the story about how I got here is a very unconventional one. Um, For context, growing up, um, I struggled a lot with my executive function skills. So for those of you who don't know, those are kind of just like the skills that we use every day to exist. So like our working memory, planning ahead, time management, things like that. And I got a lot of help. I had an executive function coach um, growing up and she really helped me like maintain my grades and stay on top of things. And I always remembered that I really enjoyed what she did, but I was like, oh, you know, I'm not gonna like make a career out of this. I think I'm gonna go into diplomacy. And so I actually, um, I was a triple language major in college. So I studied Spanish, Italian, and Hebrew. And I was like, I'm gonna work in in diplomatic affairs and all of that. And so I graduated college. I started working in diplomatic affairs and realized that I this wasn't 
exactly for me. And I remembered how much I loved what my executive function coach uh, did for me and how much I learned from her. And um, and I was tutoring a couple of kids in Spanish on the side while I was at my diplomacy job. And one of them said to me, you know, I really need help like organizing myself with school, not just with Spanish, but with all my other classes. And I said, great, I'll help out. And then suddenly I realized like, whoa, I can really help her manage her time correctly and get assignments done. And so I think I actually want to make a business out of this. So um, fast forward a few months later to that, uh, March 2020 hits. I, I happen to have left my diplomacy job. I'm a little bit stuck and I decide to kind of go down this route of helping people with ADHD and executive function skills. And now almost four years later, this is my full-time job. This is my baby. Um, I help so many different kids and adults managing their ADHD. So again, definitely very unconventional route, but um, it got me to where I am and like I've never been happier, honestly. And you're trilingual? Yes, Yes, I, I mean that's inc- that's incredible. I imagine Thank that uh, you. expands your client base and like yeah. who you're able to help, and especially if you're working with kids in school who might be taking a foreign language, that's like an awesome skill to have to support what you do. One thousand percent. It's so nice because I get to actually help my students. Like when we're doing their organizational stuff, if I if they actually need help with subject related material, like I can really help them with that. And so it's definitely been. Um, it's been a great skill that I can use in my career, but also, of course, in my personal life. You said unconventional path, I would say maybe, but like very useful, all the things that you've done leading up until now. Yeah, I think for a lack of better words, I know this sounds like very cliche, but I do believe that everything happens for a reason and things work out the way they're supposed to. And um, I feel like maybe I didn't um, end up doing what I thought was right for me, but through time and through circumstance, I learned that this is the right path. And I'm so happy to be here and I, I love my job. I, I just, everything is so, so amazing. I know it sounds like really cliche, but I'm just, I'm very happy with what I do. Yeah, that's, um that's great too. I, I know that can really shine through in your work and in how you interact with clients, if they can tell like, you know, not only is Ali really passionate about this and has life experience, but you know, it, it fits and it, and it shines through. I'm, um, I'm curious to learn a little bit more just about ADHD itself. So before we go into food and ADHD and the overlap, just give us an overview of ADHD. Like, what does that mean for people who have maybe heard the term, but they're not really sure how it manifests in daily life? Just would love an overview. Absolutely. Yeah. So ADHD um, is a condition that a lot of people live with. Um, What it does, it manifests very differently in each person, but um, it normally causes great disruption to their personal, professional, and academic life. Um, Some of the most common symptoms of ADHD, and again, there are so many and everyone's experiences are different, but some of the more common ones are struggling with time management, um, inability to stay on task, struggle with focus, lack of interest in a lot of things, um, can be some sensory needs, things like that. So um, it's a very common condition. A lot of people have it. It's most commonly detected in like a school or professional setting because I think that can exacerbate and show what the symptoms more clearly. But ADHD affects people's day-to-day life. Um, It's not just about how they do in school or at jobs or whatnot, but it affects their ability to build relationships, um, to accomplish and to set and accomplish goals and can really affect like their self-esteem and overall, overall well-being. You think just quickly, like off the the top of your mind, any typical common misconceptions about ADHD? Absolutely. I think there are a lot. 
Um, I think the number one misconception is that people think like I just kind of got to a little bit is that um, it's just simply about school um, or it's just about work, which is not true. The other one, and I actually talked about this on my Instagram story last night, um, is that people think that ADHDers are lazy and they think that they're, you know, that the struggle that they have to get assignments turned in on time or with managing their schedules or being late is that they just don't care or they're lazy. Um, it's not like that at all. It's an extremely unpleasant experience to feel stuck and to feel like you can't get anything done. Um, and so I think a lot of ADHD years have been bullied in, in that way, whether it's through, you know, professionals or family or friends or whatever. Um, and I just think that ADHD years are some of the most hardworking people I've ever met. Um, but they are humans who struggle and, and it's on us to help them and not put them down for something that they have no control over. Mm-mm. Something that you've said um, so far, and it kind of ties into that misconception is ADHD is not just something that manifests in a school setting or in a work environment. Like maybe most commonly, that's where we might pick up on an initial thought or, you know, a potential sign or symptom, but how it goes over into so many other aspects of life. I'm thinking this could possibly take us into the food related part of our conversation, because something I say with my clients all the time, ADHD or not, is we human beings have to eat every single day, multiple times a day. So any you know, condition or or something that we might have is probably going to relate to food in some way, shape or form, just because it's something that we do have to think about and navigate quite a lot. So what are your thoughts or what can you tell us about some of the common struggles that people with ADHD might have with eating in general or with intuitive eating? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. So there's kind of a lot to it. I think the first thing that I've noticed, so the three most common food related struggles that I have seen with ADHD years, I'll kind of start with the first one is planning meals ahead. So using your executive function skills to make sure that you have, you know, that you've gone to the grocery store, that you know what time frames you have to do things, making sure that you have what you need to cook or prepare, et cetera. So that's kind of like the first thing that I noticed. The second thing is that a lot of times people with ADHD are on medication that has a side effect of um, suppressed appetite. That's super common. Um, So a lot of times people with ADHD struggle to stay nourished throughout the day because they don't have an appetite um, or a very reduced appetite. So um, that is something that there are definitely ways to work around, but that can be a challenge. And then I think like the last thing that that I noticed the last like major thing um, that a lot of people with ADHD deal with is they have different sensory needs with food. So a lot of times um, textures and taste, they can go through um, food fixations very frequently. I I know there's like the joke that goes around about like, are you in like, do you like eggs today? Or do you not like eggs today? I feel like (laughs) that's, that's a very, like, it's, it's very accurate, but like, that's pretty much like a lot of times people with ADHD feel that with a lot of things um, all the time. So I think those are like the most common food related struggles for ADHD years. Um, but then we can also talk a little bit more about like intuitive the challenges that ADHD years face with intuitive eating, which is a little bit of a separate thing. I'm over here nodding my head, maybe not outwardly, but in internally as you're talking about all of these things, because I shared with you before we hit record that I have learned a lot about ADHD through people I have worked with over the years, particularly those clients who know that they have ADHD and they're very aware of how it manifests in their own life, they 
have been so generous in sharing with me, like, this is what works for me with food and this is what doesn't, or this is the structure that I need. So as you're listing out all of these things, I definitely clock them as things that people have described to me before and things that we've worked around in, in our coaching session. So if it's okay with you, can we maybe break each of those down a little bit more and talk about some tips or practical things? If someone who is listening is like, yep, that's me. I struggle with the planning or I struggle with the hunger cues. And maybe both of our knowledges combined, we can make a little list or a suggestion uh, list for people to go through. Absolutely. I think that's a really, really great idea. So for planning meals ahead, um, one of the best things that I tell people to do is to always have a few safe foods at home that are really easy. So like frozen foods, on the go items, things like that. Um, because planning, like it can be really challenging for people to plan ahead. Um, so having things that first are there that are really easy that don't really require much planning can be great. Um, that's kind of my number one thing. And then, but to actually teach someone to plan meals ahead, um, again, it kind of depends on what the person's, uh, specific struggles are. Um, but oftentimes maybe, you know, like cooking once or twice a week and making extras, um, going to the grocery store, you know, like one, like once a week or once every two weeks and having a set like appointment per se to do that. Um, that's kind of how I feel like has been helpful. Claire, if you have anything else in the planning meals ahead department, please, please jump in. <laughs> I, I love the suggestion about making grocery shopping or like making a grocery list, an appointment on the calendar. I have used that lingo with clients a lot. It's like, okay, what is one weeknight where we could carve out some time and make it a recurring appointment, just as you would go to an appointment with a medical provider or with a friend that you maybe have like a dinner date with. Um, I love your tip about keeping some convenience staples on hand, whether that's a frozen item or an item that just takes minimal preparation. Another tip that I also might add, and this is a tip that I give to every single one of my clients and it's in one of my courses as well. So I think it can be helpful for anyone is something I call the idea of threes. And this is a brainstorming tool that helps to offer a little bit of structure when it comes to thinking about, well, what am I going to actually put on my plate that will be satisfying, that will have staying power and maybe some nutritional variety. And I I tell my clients all the time, this is a loose framework. So it's not meant to be a tool that is rigid or like my plate has to look like this or else. But sometimes if what we're struggling with is overwhelm, like I have trouble making decisions or narrowing things down, it's helpful to have some general targets that we're aiming for. So the idea of threes talks about food groups. We have five main food groups, grains, Um, meats or vegetarian proteins, fruits, veggies, and dairy or dairy alternatives. So for our main meals, the big eating experiences in a day, we want to aim to put together at least three of these food groups, any combination, whatever you have, convenience foods, if you're eating out, it could work too. And then for snacks, I like to talk about combining two food groups. So hopefully our our listeners, if they're new here, if they haven't heard this, can take this and use it as a tool to bring a little bit of structure or help them streamline the brainstorming process if the what of eating tends to feel very overwhelming. Absolutely. I love that so much. I am literally going to write that down and save it because (laughs) it is such helpful advice because like we're all humans. Like, you know, I'm not going to lie and pretend that I don't ever struggle sometimes to prepare my meals. And I mean, we're all human. Right. And so having that tip, I think is super helpful. Um, And yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. That was awesome. Of course. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. But for the next thing in terms of nourishing with a suppressed appetite, um, I think something that can be really helpful is just setting an alarm on your phone um, mm-hmm. to just remind you to eat. I think when people have suppressed appetites, a lot of the time they just like forget. Um, and so sometimes just like having an alarm go off on your phone just to say, hey, like grab a granola bar or have a water. Like I think that is good. I know it's like, it's it's a complicated situation. So Claire, please let me know if you have more thoughts, but I feel like that's kind of what I, what I would recommend. Oh, I agree completely. I think it would be awesome if we could all eat based on our internal cues all the time. Like, you know, I think sometimes we might hear the intuitive eating principle, honor your hunger and start to think, well, I'm only supposed to be eating when I have a hunger cue, but that's not how many people live, especially if there is a medication that's altering hunger cues. So having some external cues or reminders can be really useful in finding a middle ground where it's like, yeah, we would love to get to know some of our body cues and try to listen for them. But if they're not super consistent, we know that eating still needs to be consistent and whatever reminders are going to help. So I love the alarm reminder. Are there any um like apps out there. There may or may not be, but I'm curious that you might recommend to your clients when it comes to the reminder side of things. Yeah. So I think it kind of depends on the person. I personally have found for my clients, honestly, the best thing is just to have um, their like usual alarm clock setting like on their on their phone, like whether it's an iPhone or Android or whatever it is, because um, that can be like the most um, like almost like jolting not jolting in a bad way but that can really like kind of be like okay yeah I gotta do this so um that's one way um I don't have I'm trying to think of other ones I mean obviously people use their calendars and stuff but normally I really find that the most success that my clients have found is just by using their traditional um the traditional um you know like alarm setting on their phone especially because it's so easy to access Mm -hmm. and it's just right in front of your face you need it to go to, to wake up in the morning anyway so it's kind of all in one place which I think is really helpful yeah. And the recurring nature of it too. It's like yeah. every day at this time, you set it one time and don't think about it again. Exactly. And that's what makes it so much easier. Like anything that you can do to limit how much preparation that you have to do is so helpful, especially for people with ADHD. Yeah. Simplifying your life. Yeah. Okay. What's our third? Our third with sensory needs. Any tips yes. there? Yeah. So the third, the first sensory needs, what I always encourage people to do is always have a few safe foods at home. So when I say the word safe foods, um, these are foods that, you know, you generally don't have an avoidance or like a a distaste in it. Normally it's something kind of neutral or maybe even kind of bland. Um, So for myself, like I always have, and I was telling Claire this yesterday, I always have like miscellaneous pieces of bread (laughs) sitting around, (laughs) sitting around the kitchen in a bag, Um, So that's like one of my things is always having a loaf of bread and deli turkey for me is one of mine. And then also um, acai, like I know it's kind of niche, but I like to always have acai, um, like frozen acai in my freezer um, because that's always like a good snack for me. Like I make a bowl out of it really quickly. Um, So those are kind of mine. But a lot of the common ones that I hear are chicken nuggets. Um, I hear that one a lot um like bread and cheese to make a grilled cheese or just a cheese sandwich um a tortilla maybe a tortilla and beans so just like there's different things that people like uh it depends on you but just always having that at home um so that if you don't know what you want or you're too stressed to make a decision or nothing sounds good at least you have something that's there that you know um won't stress you out and that's also your sign when you notice that you're running out 
of that safe food, that's your sign that it's time to go to the grocery store because you really should always have, um, should have them at home if you can. Yeah. Another external reminder, like, oh, my stash is getting low. The miscellaneous bread chunks, you know, really flying <laughs> exactly. to the, yeah, to like the bottom one of the container. Exactly. I have like a piece that's like turning blue and I'm like, oh, I'm going right. To, I'm going right to the supermarket right after right after work. So, yeah, it's funny. Um, It's funny to hear the different phrases that people use to describe this concept you're talking about. You're calling them safe foods. I hear that a lot. I have always called them always good foods and not good from a moralizing perspective, like good, bad that we're labeling the food, but always good to you. Like I I make it, it sounds good. At least most of the time, there's no secret here that my personal favorite, always good food is a peanut butter and jelly on an English muffin on a normal piece of bread. Doesn't matter. But um, I think it is a really good idea for our listeners who are tuning in to start to just think through a core list of like two to three things that they can always have on hand and can, can fill the gaps when needed. Absolutely. It is a game changer. Just have two or three things that you like. Uh, It can be frozen. It can be not, but just have them there, make them real easy and you will feel like a thousand times better. Yeah. You know, something that we've been talking about so far or something that is pretty evident, at least to me and multiple of the tips that you've offered is this theme of some structure. And I would love to talk about one of the most common misconceptions about intuitive eating, at least in my mind, that I hear is that in, if I'm getting away from food rules or if I'm making a better relationship with food, I have to abandon all types of structure or all types of rules in my eating. And I talk about this with clients a lot where it's like, yes, there probably are some rules or restrictions that we might want to talk about getting away from if they're bringing more harm than help into your relationship with food. And that's going to be different for every person. But I think it is pretty evident here that there can be this middle ground and there often needs to be, especially if we're working with someone who has ADHD to still have some kind of structure or some kind of guidance just to ensure that you're eating enough and you're eating consistently and needing to have a little bit of structure doesn't mean that you're doing this intuitive eating stuff wrong or it's not working for you. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think that's why a lot of people, whether it's in the ADHD community or outside, are very hesitant about intuitive eating because they think that intuitive eating means eating whatever you want, whenever you want, 100% of the time with no structure and only listening to what, um, you know, like you want in the moment. And I think that, you know, structure is one of those things that you can totally make in intuitive eating. But the approach to it is different than in diet culture. So the approach to having structure in intuitive eating is focusing on like, what can I have and and add and what can I make available to me? So for example, um, let's say, you know, you want to make a a rule. Okay, I really want to make sure that I'm eating, you know, that I'm eating several times a day, whatever that amount is that works for your body, you know, but just saying, I want to make sure that I eat throughout the day. Um, That's an example of structure. Maybe that also means that a, a rule or a structure that you have is, you know, making sure you always carry a water bottle on you, right? That's not meant from a, that's not forceful. That's not um, any sort of shaming or, ne- uh, you know, negative thing, but it's just making sure that you have access to these things and that you're staying nourished. So um, I think that is kind of where 
that structure needs to be in. And of course, like everybody's different, like Claire was saying, everybody has different um, levels of structure that work for them and that um, are, you know, helpful or harmful. So definitely consult with someone on your care team um, or registered dietitian if you really need more help with that. But I think from like a general framework, just from a simplicity's sake, um, really focusing on rules that make sure that you are, that are focused on really just taking care of your mental and physical well-being and less about um, quote unquote morality or anything else with, with food. Yeah. Rules that are a bit more self-care motivated than self-control motivated or, or exactly. No, way. that was the perfect way of saying it. It's self-care. Not, it's not self-care. It's not control. Um, it's like, you know, it's like doing a skincare routine. Like you don't yelling at yourself and saying, Oh, I have to do my skincare <laughs> this many times a day is not healthy. Right. It's not to yell at yourself and shame it. That's not a good thing, but to say, Oh, you know what? Like I, I feel like I'll feel better. Like I enjoy how I feel when I do my skincare routine and then you do it. I know that sounds silly. Skin is not the same thing as food, right? But I think having those types of mindsets, this stuff bleeds into everything in your life. I mean, intuitive eating bleeds into everything that you do in your life in a lot of ways and that like the, the mindset of being intuitive. And so I really think that, you know, reminding yourself, this is self-care. It's about taking care of myself. It's not about controlling myself. I, You couldn't have said that better, Claire. I think I'm going to make that my quote of the month. <laughs> you can. I'm glad it resonated. Take Thank it, you. I do what you that. want with it. Oh. Recycle it. Oh, but yeah, that that is a, a really good point too. I think it is very valuable to when we're able to focus on how a certain action or behavior makes us feel and just clocking that like, okay. It might have been a little challenging to get into this routine or convince myself to do this self-caring behavior, whether it's something like skincare or something food related, like going to the grocery store, prepping a component of a meal. However, when we are able to make it happen, how are we feeling? How is my energy? How am I able to tackle other tasks during the day? And to something that I'll tack on that I cover with all of my clients is this idea of a most of the time habit or a goal not an all of the time or I failed. Is that something that is helpful for your clients too with ADHD? Like it doesn't have to be perfect, just most of the time. 1000%. I love that phrasing of it. I tell my clients all the time, you know, when you're setting a goal or like, let's say a lot of the work that I do with my clients is academic in nature, not all of it, but some of it is. So let's say I'm working with one of my high school students and, you know, he has a list of assignments that he says he's going to do on Monday. Okay. And I'll say to him, you know, just so you know, this is a framework. Like you're not in trouble if you don't do it. You're not, you know, you have to be flexible and be aware. And if you're able to get most of the stuff done, that's good. I think a lot of times um, our culture can be very like uh, forceful and very aggressive about so- certain things. And I think that that doesn't work to build habits. Building habits comes from self-empowerment. It comes from feeling good about yourself when you do them and not being shamed into doing things. And so um, I very much enforce with my clients. I don't like, I'm, I will never like yell at a client or be upset if they set a goal for themselves that they completed sometimes or didn't complete um, because that doesn't help people. Like yelling at people and making them feel bad or um, expecting perfection from people is not realistic and habits take time to build. Like I have to tell people this all the time. Um, The habits that, that you're trying to build with ADHD. So like maybe like managing your time better, or maybe like getting assignments done more on time or whatever it is, those things take time to build. You're going to sometimes not do it. Sometimes you're going to get it. You're going to hit the nail on the head and other times you won't. And it's also about being compassionate with yourself, learning to be flexible, which a lot of times 
um, people with ADHD, it can be a challenge to be flexible about things. They like that structure that you and I just talked about. And so when things don't go exactly as planned, that can throw them off course a bit. But yeah, having compassion, understanding that doing things as much as like as much as you can reasonably is the way to go and not shaming yourself or, you know, viewing yourself as a failure because you didn't manage your time perfectly one day. That's not that's not what this is about. And that's not going to make you a happier, more successful person. One thing about shame is it is never going to be a consistent or reliable motivator in the long term. Yeah. Um, Another question that I have that is a little bit different from what we've been talking about, but it's been on my mind ever since I heard you say executive function at the top of this call. So maybe this relates to food or maybe this is just ADHD in general. Are there any exercises, for lack of a better term, for people to practice or engage with if they're really wanting to work on some of those skills? Or what does that look like in practice? I'm just curious from my own standpoint. Absolutely. I love that so much. So there are several different things that can be done. Um, obviously when it comes to like long-term sustainable growth and a major struggle with certain things, it's definitely best to speak to an ADHD or executive function coach like myself or like other people in my field. But if you're just talking about improving little habits, um, there are several ways. I think the biggest thing that I tell people to do, and uh, sometimes people don't like to like this and people (laughs) do is write everything down. Um, I know that sounds silly, but like having a plan book or having a notes app on your phone or having some place where you can write down things is really helpful. Utilizing a calendar properly is a really important skill. Um, Having like supplies, having access to supplies that help you stay organized is an amazing thing. And unfortunately, not everybody has that. It doesn't need to be expensive stuff, but still, I I recognize that, you know, notebooks are not cheap and having those things aren't always accessible. But if you do have those accessible to you, again, like utilize apps. Um, I have some app recommendations that I like for like list making. Um, Mm -hmm. There's one called Remember the Milk that I really like a lot and MindNode. They're like ways that help you make very visual maps. So it's for visual learners and visual processors. I think that's a great thing. But yeah, my number one tip is really just writing things down um, because it's so easy with ADHD to forget things. And that really helps your executive function skills because it helps your working memory. It helps your ability to honor commitments, which I think sometimes um, people with ADHD are misconstrued as being rude because they might show up late somewhere or they might forget, but it's not because they're just genuinely choosing to disrespect your time. A lot of it is that um, they're they have like they have things that are impeding their ability to do that. So um, I think it will not only will it help improve your executive function skills, but it also helps you improve your relationship with both yourself self and other people around you. Mm, I love that writing things down, using whatever tools you have at your disposal to help your working memory. I'm. I'm giggling a little bit internally as you're saying list, because one thing about me, I'm a list person. I have, our listeners can't see, but I'm pulling up all of my lists. I literally posted this morning on Instagram about how excited I am for my new felt tip pen set that I got at TJ Maxx for like $5. I was like, what a steal. Um, but, but I agree it, it can be helpful just for the organization and memory of it all to have that touch point of like brain to paper, back to brain, or even like a phone calendar, something like that. 
Absolutely. And it, it's what makes sense for you. You know, like it has to work for you. What works for one client of mine will not work for the next. It might work for another. So it's also about trial and error. And I think we really have to surrender to this idea of things working out perfectly the first time. Sometimes it's trying a plan book and realizing that the plan book isn't the right one or realizing that, you know, um, having it on the notes app of your phone isn't as helpful as you thought it would be, or maybe it's more helpful than you thought. So just honestly exploring the idea of like playing around with different ideas, playing around with different plan books, like making it an exciting challenge. It's not, it's not something to be like, oh, I did, I'm not good at this. So therefore I have to do that. No, it's, hmm, you know, this thing I want to work on. And there's so many different ways out there to me let's see which works the best. Is it going to be this or that? And I think that actually can make it really exciting. Um, I'm also just like you, Claire, I love like supplies and markers. And like, I, I got like a very fancy, colorful notebook the other day, like, it's very exciting. And I think uh -huh. um, a lot of people can will appreciate it. And you can make it fun. And it doesn't have to be, you know, like, feel like a consequence. I like how you're talking about this from a exploratory standpoint. Um, it reminds me of how I might talk to someone about food and okay you want to work on increasing variety in your eating but you don't know how or you're not confident in the kitchen like let's talk about how we can have a little bit of fun with it and if you know you burn whatever it is or you don't like the taste of it it's not that you failed or you're never going to find a reliable source of fiber or vitamin c it's just we need another one right we, exactly. we need something else so it, it could be similar in that way or i see a parallel 1000 percent. i think like ex like exploration and play as adults, um, we don't get the opportunity, we don't feel like we get the opportunity as much to do that because we feel like, oh, playing and exploring is for kids and we're grownups and we don't do that. No, I think it actually is so important. It makes your life like so much better. And I, yeah, I think trying new foods and trying new ways to help yourself, like stay better organized or stay on top of things is so important. And it's really enjoy, really, really enjoyable. And nine times out of 10, you will find something new that you were like, Oh, my goodness, this is amazing. It might take a few tries. But, um, you know, maybe you learn that you really love like rice noodles, and you didn't try them before, right? Or maybe you learn that you really do better when you have this one specific notebook brand that only one retailer sells, that would be me. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, but you learn and then you try and like, it's, it's fun. It's cool. You get it's like, it's a way to get to know yourself better. And I, I love, I love exploring. I think I've rediscovered that more recently. And it's just, it's so awesome to be able to do it in life. Yeah. And um, I'll add in just one more comment here on the exploring. And then I do have one final question that I want to be sure I ask, but I would add too, when it comes to exploring and figuring out what is going to work for you, whether that's in the food realm or the organizational realm or other lifestyle things to not judge the results, right? I, I I had a conversation with um a therapist uh, several months back at this point, and I was like, man, I have all of these notes, and I just feel like I'm so uptight, and I'm type A. It's like I have never been the chill, cool girl who's just go with the flow. I am, as the TikTok soundbite would say, what time does the flow start? You know, how many hours before do I need to get ready? And I was judging my use of lists or wanting to write things down or, or be organized. And the therapist said to me, that's just a way of processing that works for you. And it might not work for other people, but you don't have to judge a tool or a structure that helps you feel more at ease. So that is just one thing that has really stuck with me. I don't know if that's something that you tackle with clients at all, but 
I just wanted to share since we're talking about, you know, finding your system and taking the shame piece away from it. I love that so much. I think like decentering morality and things is so important. What works for one person might not work for the next. And there's nothing wrong with it. Like if you find yourself very meticulous about writing to-do lists, which I do, I'm very obsessed with writing to-do lists. I write, like I have a whole system that I have that works for me. Like that's what works, you know? And sometimes in the past, I remember in other experiences I've had, you know, I, I, my working memory is not amazing. So I can struggle sometimes with, um, remembering like different things so I actually write down a lot of what people tell me like in a professional context because if not it will go inside in my, one in one ear not the other and I remember people were looking at me like why are you writing this down like it's not that important but for me that's what worked because I needed to make sure that in order to support this person in the best way I can I do need to write everything down some people I know have amazing memory and they don't have to no one is better than another person for writing things down or not or for being more meticulous or less meticulous or super neat and not super neat it's about what works for you and it's everything is so personal it's so different it's so customizable and I just wish people would understand that better and I think that's a really great um goal to set for people is just like surrender the judgment whether it's to yourself or to others like let go of that judgment it's not worth it it's unnecessary and it's just hurtful to everybody. It doesn't, doesn't get you anywhere. Talk about phrases that I'm going to take and put on repeat, surrender the judgment. I, I love that. Cause I think that could be applicable, obviously in a food context and with, with what we're talking about here. So Ali, final question that I want to ask you uh, before we talk about where people can find you plug all the things is with the new year. So we're not talking in January, but this episode is very likely going to come out after the turn of the new year. And I don't have to talk on this podcast about what that means with the diet culture stuff. We're aware, right? We're aware that it's a time of chaos and oh my gosh, I have to get my life together and I feel super overwhelmed. So if there is anyone out there who is trying to avoid that chaotic diet culture mindset, but they still are desiring some kind of structure or some kind of nourishing change in the new year and they have ADHD possibly, or, you know, maybe not. What is a tip or maybe two tips that you have for people who are wanting to find some structure that works for them in a non-punishing way? Absolutely. The first thing that I always tell people is one step at a time, pick one thing that you think would be beneficial to you mentally and physically and pick that thing. And it doesn't need to be a big thing. It can be a small thing. For example, I said this a little bit earlier too. Like, let's say you're like, okay, you know, I really want to, I'm, I, I feel like I struggle with hydration. I really want to make sure that I stay hydrated more often. Buy yourself a good water bottle that you like, or bring it with you in your bag. I know that sounds very simple, but it takes one little positive thing that you enjoy to get that shift going. And the other piece of advice, this might sound kind of silly, but the other thing is just to take a deep breath. Um, the New Year's, obviously, as we just kind of talked about, um, there's a lot of noise about what how you should and shouldn't be, quote unquote, and like what you're supposed to do, and what's expected of you. Just take a deep breath, tune out the noise. You know yourself better than anybody does. And just take one thing that you want to do that makes you feel physically and mentally better. Get in the habit of doing that. And once you feel like that thing is as routine for you as brushing your teeth or, you know, taking a shower or whatever it is, add something else that brings you joy. The focus is on bringing you joy and making you feel better. It's not about what 
dealing with the shame of things. It's just simply about doing things that make you feel better. So if that's carrying a granola bar with you and bringing a water bottle to class, awesome. If that's, you know, making sure that you go to the grocery store once a week, you know, that's fine. But just simple, easy things that sound exciting and interesting for you and ignoring what anybody else has to say or has to think about it because it's your life. You know yourself best. And that's what matters, not what other people have to say. And the cool thing about this add-on approach you're talking about, like pick one, when you're in a routine, you can add something else. If there's more to be added, it's like, this isn't a race. Yeah. Hopefully all of us listening, we have time. We got the whole 2024 and beyond ahead of us. It's like not all of the changes that you want to make in your life have to be done by the end of January. (laughs) It's not a race, one thing at a time, whether that comes to organizational skills or other life goals or making changes with your eating. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Okay. What a, we packed a lot of stuff into this recording and I know people who are listening are going to want to hear more from you and learn about you. I know you share a lot of helpful content on social and you do things beyond that too. So tell us where we can find you, be friends with you online, look at your offers, all the things. Yeah. So um, if you want to find me on social media, you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at ADHD with Allie. My Allie spelled A-L-L-Y. So that's the best way to like connect with me on social. Um, I have one-on-one coaching spots available at the moment. So if you're interested in really taking control over your ADHD, whether you're, whether it's for a child of yours, for yourself, um, whatever it is to kind of gain these skills, um, you know, just send me a DM on Instagram and we can definitely talk. Um, I do one-on-one coaching and I have a lot of really exciting different things coming out in the next few months. So there will be other opportunities to connect with me and work with me as well. But for now, um, I have one-on-one coaching is like my big thing. Um, and so I'm really excited. I hope to get to connect with more of you. And, you know, I, re- I'm very responsive in the DM. So please feel free to reach out. And can confirm responsive in the DMs. That's how, <laughs> that's how we've connected over the years and especially oh. leading up to, to this episode. But yeah, <laughs> excuse me. The great thing about, um, Instagram and Instagram bios and all the things is as long as people can make it there, they'll be able to see whatever yeah. you have going on and all the other offers. So check out Ali on Instagram. But our listeners, that is all we have for you today. Ali, thank you so much for joining me and for offering up your time. I know we're recording in the hustle and the bustle of the holiday season. So the privilege is not lost on me. And hopefully our listeners that you took the time to sit down with me and go through all this stuff today. Um, But that is all we have. So we will go ahead and sign off by saying yours, Julie, Claire, and Allie. And that's a wrap for episode 185, or the first episode of 2024, here on the Yours Chuli podcast. Thank you so much for spending some time with me and Allie today, learning about ADHD. And a very special thank you to our guest, Allie Chalst, for spending some time talking with me and educating me, and hopefully you all as well are listeners on this really important topic. So if you enjoyed today today's episode or anything else that I share here on the podcast, your support really does mean a lot. You can share this episode with a friend or a family member, 
by tapping the three dots somewhere on your screen and getting the link to text or email out. You can also screenshot this episode wherever you're listening and put it on a story, put it on a social media post. You can tag me at Claire Tuning and our guest Allie as well at ADHD with Allie so we know you're listening. And lastly, if you feel inclined to tap those five stars or leave a review, if you happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts, that would be awesome. Thanks so much again for being here and I will see you in February's episode, but until then, let's nourish more in 2024. See ya!